the original drive was to keep my son safe because he has a story too. Mine is that I went to prison. His is that his mother left for prison. Those are two different stories. I wanted to make sure that I didn't put mine on him. But I wanted the story to be, I left and I came back. I'll always come back. Welcome to another episode of Right of Your Life, where life happens and life storytelling transforms it. Our show is brought to you by lifestorytelling.com. And guess what? You don't have to be a writer to write your life stories. Lifestorytelling.com will teach you how. If you've been through hell and lived to tell about it, or your family skeletons are poking out of the closet, you'll want to check it out at lifestorytelling.com. Our special guest today is Meg Warden. Meg is a writer, a health coach, and an international speaker. She teaches women all over the world how to have a functional relationship with their body, their food, their story, and their potential. She's an activist in the prison reentry arena, as well as equal rights for all gender and race. Meg spent two years in federal prison and is working with an agent to get her story published. She's homeschooling her 13-year-old son currently. Meg, welcome to Right of Your Life. Hi, Stacy. Thanks for having me. I am glad to have you because you have a very interesting story to tell and you are telling it to the world. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your background with us? Sure. Let's see. I spent two years in federal prison from 2003 to 2005 for selling ecstasy. My conviction was conspiracy to sell 5,000 hits of ecstasy. I took them from New York City to Springfield, Missouri. So over state lines made that a federal crime. Mm -hmm. And after that was over, that lasted for about a year and then ended. I got pregnant. I had a baby. And when my son was two months old is when they caught up with me. So unbeknownst to me, there was an investigation happening. Something I thought was completely behind me. Worlds had changed since I had stopped selling. It was just a brief kind of a a little thing I did as, you know, an adventure. And then Mm -hmm. it got to be heavier than an adventure and stressful and dangerous. And so I stopped and I also stopped using drugs and stopped drinking. And I watched 9-11 happen in New York City and started practicing yoga and all of these major changes took place. And then getting pregnant and actually giving birth And one day, a couple of federal agents knocked at the door, and I was under investigation. And actually, there had there was an indictment, I was summoned by the grand jury. So that took up the next year and a half of my life. And when my son was 18 months old, I had to serve time. And I was gone for two years and got out when he was three and a half. So that's the summary. That had to be incredibly hard for you. I can't even imagine. So where are you now? Your son is 13 years old. You've obviously moved on from that, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I feel like okay. it's kind of something I moved on with before it ever happened, which makes it <laughs> unique. But I have been able to, you know, being able to tell my story, honestly, Stacey, I, like I love what you talk about in your business, because being able to tell my story is really what liberated me from having to deal with I mean, I'm still affected by it. It's stigma for life. It's always a mark on my record. Right. But I was really very hell bent, for lack of a better word, on making sure that my son 
was able to live a life without shame. Mm-hmm. Um, I never, I have pretty strong opinions about the drug war and the drug laws and the way things are set up. And so I don't, I didn't necessarily feel, well, I recognize that I did something illegal and am responsible for the consequences of that. I don't necessarily feel like the laws are are just and that my going to prison was actually in service to the culture and the community. And so it was a complicated path to walk down with my child. And I just didn't want either one for him to have to live in a world where he was ashamed of something that happened that I did. Mm -hmm. Or I didn't want to take the route of, I'm really sorry, I made a huge mistake. This is, you know, I did the crime, I had to do the time that just felt like a really habituated and wrote story. Right. And it really didn't feel like it rang true to me. So I had a great deal of investment, uh, emotional investment in trying to figure out what the story really was, and uh, how I could tell it, and then how I could also separate what was my story from what was his story, and help you know, over the years, teach him how to do that. And that process for me started pretty quickly after actually getting to prison, when I just kept hearing people say they'd been given time. Mm -hmm. And again, a really a rote statement, of course, you've been given time equals a punishment. And somehow that just struck me as strange that here we walk around life without enough time ever. And here I'm all of a sudden, in a room full of people who've been given time as a punishment instead of a gift. And it kind of, that was a catalyst moment of setting me off into a world of being very clear about definitions and re-editing, recreating and editing and refining definitions of things if need be. And that crosses over big time into my health business because health is also a such a loaded word right. that needs redefinition all the time so that people really understand how to achieve a lifestyle that serves them. Once you went to prison, and it, it sounds like you matured or you discovered some things about yourself pretty quickly. Um, tell me about the before. How, how did you get into that in the first place? So let's see. I, my partner, I mean, I had a boyfriend at the time who was working with some organized crime rings. Mm -hmm. And we were in a tempestuous relationship that I was in and out of. And at one point, I had left the relationship and moved away to the Midwest. I moved to be close to my family who had retired in the Ozark Mountains in Missouri. And I met someone there who was selling. And, you know, I really think that, well, I know to this day that it was probably selling drugs was probably my first attempt at really locating a strong sense of self. Mm -hmm. Um, I had typical sort of broken home scenario with a busy, busy working single mom and spent a lot of time alone and without getting into too much detail. I spent a lot of time raising myself. So I was somewhat of a late bloomer and found pretty early on in life that I could get validation and a sense of control and power from things that weren't so healthy, drugs included. I was a quick study when it came to drug use. I was, it was a good match for me. I took to it very easily. Right. And um, 
So when I moved away to get away from this relationship, I discovered that I actually did the business math. I'm also a natural born entrepreneur. And Mm -hmm. I found out what I was selling for. I knew that I could get it through this relationship that I was in a push pull with and being able to have orchestrate this deal, have a little power, bring in some money, be carrying around in my bag, something of literal value that people wanted from me. I have a very clear memory of sitting in a chair and the guy came for the pickup and that feeling of of having in my hand something of value and people coming to me that I could just sit in that chair and I could just take up space in the world and they would come to me to get this thing of value and exchange money for it. Right. And it was a lot, it was a very distinct feeling, something I'd never had before, because I hadn't quite realized that I could actually take up space in the world and that I, in fact, housed something of great value that people might even come pay me money for. And so I, I consider that a really quite useful lesson, actually. So that's how I got into it. it you know, you, I guess, hopefully from that description, you can imagine why it was so terribly attractive to me. Oh, absolutely. And then it quickly became pretty unattractive when the people that were coming to me that were valuing me were not really people I wanted to hang around with. Right. You know, still had a sense of, of wanting to be around art and culture and my sort of mantra to my boyfriend at the time was why can't we hang out with people that go to the Guggenheim <laughs> <laughs> so you do hang out with drug dealers that's the right. price of admission and it's a high price when you want to hang around smart interesting people so yes it also got weird and dangerous and 9-11 happened so we quit and I thought that was something that was behind me and I moved on hmm. and then it came back And then it came back and you were convicted. You matured actually before you went into prison. I absolutely did. So I had a big start by the time I got there. I was really ripe to see the the many metaphors of doing time, freedom, incarceration. There, It is a distillation, like a microcosm of real life in there. It's it's a pretty fascinating study. And not that I sat there taking notes and studying all the time, though I did do that. I also was very affected and crushed. You know, it changed me. Oh, yeah. That, you know, I'll never be the same for having had that experience in ways that are both positive and, of course, traumatizing. But I was definitely ripe for learning and being open to a bigger kind of understanding before I went. So I didn't go just straight from lost to handcuffs. I went lost to, I actually went through 9-11 in New York City, which was world changing for, as you can imagine. Of course. Some of your listeners might actually know firsthand and then had a baby, which also can change is life life changing. (laughs) Yeah. So all of these really big things happened. And I was quite literally a different animal by the time Mm -hmm. they came for me. Right. At what point did you decide, you know, I'm not going to hide this. I'm not going to hang my head in shame and just stay in my own little corner of the world and try to ignore that this has even happened. At what point did you say, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to share my wisdom and share my experience to possibly help other people. 
that's been a process. The original drive was to keep my son safe, uh, just not to have him confused about why I left, scared that I would leave again. Right. But I wanted the story to be, I left and I came back. I'll always come back. Right. Started there. And then, of course, as things got more sophisticated, how does he deal with knowing? How does he deal with processing this information himself? Because he has a story too. Mine is that I went to prison. His is that his mother left for prison. Those are two different stories. I wanted to make sure that I didn't put mine on him. Right. You know, I didn't need to come home doing the crying and apologizing and make him have to contain my emotions or regret. And also, I didn't have a ton of regret. I had a lot of feelings about having to leave my son, but it just wasn't this typical... I made this huge mistake and then I went to prison. I just didn't feel, I feel like it's a much more complex issue. And I don't have regret about having the need to be desired or having the need to have my value noticed. And the fact that I did that in dangerous ways is, and they weren't all that dangerous, even Stacy, to be honest with you, there was right. an inherent danger, but nonetheless, it's, it's more complex. It's much more human right? It yes. is just a, a story of legality. And I felt like that was important, all of those things. So I also am a writer. And so the drive to write about it was both a passion, it was one of those artistic must create kind of deals. And also, I got out of prison with no college education, as you know, a felony, uh, I did have a, I was a hairdresser at the time and I was studying to be a yoga teacher, but still nothing that really was going to put me in a place where I could earn the kind of money that I knew I needed to earn to be a single mother and to have any kind of lifestyle at all. I was pretty unwilling to be living in poverty or living in a minimum right. wage situation. So I, being the, like I said, natural born entrepreneur, sort of resourceful I started to write essays. I started to write the book. I entered a, a writing contest and I won. I started to really feel like both I needed to write to get the story out of me. Right. And I wanted to be that voice and I wanted to legitimize myself. I felt like being the author of would help put a credential underneath me that I didn't have because of my lack of resume. And my lack mm -hmm. of education. So that was the impetus. And I joined a writer's group. It took me months to actually bring any of my own work in. These are people I knew that were in my neighborhood. Our kids went to school together. And months and months and months, finally, the writer said, Meg, you have to bring something. I brought my first three chapters. And that was kind of my big coming out. I had told a few people here and there as needed. It was always a real challenge besides the people that knew. So I was really, it took me took me a few years really to start doing that. Then I started writing about it. Then I started writing essays that were getting published online. I had one published in a college journal and the winning essay got published in a magazine. So all of a sudden now you can Google me and you're going to find out I was in prison. When I started my health coaching business, as that trajectory was also building, I then was faced with the dilemma of what was going to happen if I had this health coaching website and I am clients are hiring me and they Google me and they find this other literary stuff I'm doing and they find out about this prison situation. And here I am, this person advocating for good health, and I have this felonist drug history and how that would 
affect them. It just felt really out of control. It's awkward. So it was really up to me to own the story. So I consulted with a copywriter who immediately said, hands down, put it on your about page, right? Which was terrifying. And it was the best, absolutely best thing I've ever done with my business. That really was a catalyst moment that has actually catapulted my business into being partially about professionally telling people how to tell their stories. When I realized it was starting to resonate with people, not only the story itself, which has blossomed into also much more than just telling it so I can get it out of me. It's out of me. Now I tell it right. so that the humanness of the experience, whether you've had the same experience or not, will be conveyed. I really like the idea that when we put art out into the world, when we put words out into the world, when you write a story, you know, it's a, it's hopefully going to be a gift. It's that experience that when you consume those words, you're going to digest them and they're going to resonate inside you articulating unarticulated feelings and experiences for you as if they were there all along, right? That's the gift you give. Right. Here's humanity through my particular lens. You consume it. And then when the reader consumes it, it belongs to them. And it liberates them from things that they are, weren't able to find words for. And our brain functions and categorizes things by language. And when we can put them in packages or stories that make sense, that work, we can heal ourselves from trauma. And not only can we heal ourselves, but it makes that trauma and that shame less damaging, less scary for the writer, I think, who writes down their story in a number of different ways. Not only do you process it, but it, it, it puts it in that package to where it's not bigger than it really is, right? The situation is not bigger than it really is. Right. You can separate yourself from it. You can see that I, you are not the story. You have a story. Right. Exactly. Pretty much we've all had difficult times in our lives where either we're ashamed of, or we're embarrassed, we just don't want to face, what would be your recommendations for first steps on getting that story out? Tell people that you trust. Tell it to people that you trust. If you really want to get it out, if you really want to get it out of your body, write it down, journal. Um, mm -hmm. And then the next step is to tell it to people that you trust. Read it, tell it, share your work. When I, when I say people that you trust, I don't always mean your spouse or your family either. Probably another writer that you trust. When right. The objectivity is definitely an important piece for somebody to else to be able to see that what you've just offered is a story and you're not just putting your guts on the table for examination. The person who's reading it is not actually thinking in terms of their own relationship to you and the story you might be telling. Mm -hmm. right. Not everything has to be published either, you know? That's it's right. also therapists and coaches and all kinds of people who can tell your story to that can help with, with those things. Absolutely. Writing down your story kind of puts definitions around it too. So it can't continue to hurt you. Now you have a piece of your writing that you'd like to share. Can you tell us a little bit about it first and then go ahead and read it? Okay. I grabbed this out of the manuscript that I'm currently in the process of working through to sell. And it is from the very beginning, the first chapter, in fact, of the book. I'm talking about it opens one year into prison. And in that scene, I'm sitting 
in the open doorway of my room slash cell. I was in a low security camp, so everything was kind of open. And I'm thinking about sitting in the a bit of the lost emptiness of, of the thing and talking about what's going on in my mind. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and read it. <clears throat> the strangest of things have slipped away, mostly names and numbers, but often things that are really special, sentimental, things you think I would never forget. The boy from Vermont who played saxophone, whose tequila lips I kissed that summer by the river, and some more pragmatic things like my social security number being replaced by the eight-digit inmate number I say out loud at least twice a day. My brain feels like a dry erase board, cleared of any information not relevant to this current affect and scribbled over with strange new identity markers, new survival skills. The stuff I knew before, colored dust, new stuff, weird, nonsensical stuff in its place. I practice remembering things I've forgotten, as well as things I'm desperate not to forget, things I can't bear to lose, the smell of his hair. You have a good way with describing exactly how you felt and what you were experiencing at that moment. Thank you. What do you hope to accomplish when this book comes out? Oh, man, that is a that is the big question. I am a big, big fan of what we talked about earlier. As far as trauma goes, it is probably my dearest hope that I'm able to write something that frees other people. I want I want to write, a, you know, I want this book to be about freedom. It's about prison. Mm-hmm. I want it to be about freedom. I want people to understand that you can refine, edit and refine your story, no matter where you find yourself. You have the option to look around and see if there's some little bit of space where you can find some personal freedom, because this is the only life that we get. Mm-hmm. So right. I feel like that's a responsibility to be able to bring that to light. Yeah, no big deal. Small goals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the freedom that you talked about, you have a giveaway for our audience if they go to your website, which is megwarden.com slash free your mind. And we'll put the link in the show notes. Tell us about this. It's a mini course, right? It is. What's it all about? It's adorable. It is just the basic foundation of creating a physical environment for your success, aka your health. The basic tenets of getting started on creating that body that is strong, flexible, and clear enough to house your big ideas, to digest all of the craziness of the world and the stuff you're holding that's no longer serving you so you can get really clear on the articulation of your own life get really clear on the articulation of your goals and live while you're here i like that and i love your way with words and how you craft them so you're a great example of how you can take a story or a concept or anything and craft a really really great blog post or book or just a paragraph. Folks should go and take a look at your blog just for that, if nothing else. Now, what else has got you excited about your business besides the book? I'm getting ready to do an exciting rebrand, being able to reinvent things. And I'm putting together a course that's going to be amazing, that's going to come up on the heels of the Free Your Mind course. 
and it's going to be a longer, more involved course. And then I always love working with my private clients. I have the most amazing clients. Excellent. Well, Meg, thank you so much for visiting with us today, sharing your story. And I can't wait till your book comes out. We will put all the links to your information in our show notes. And we look forward to seeing what you have in the future. I really appreciate it, Stacey. Thank you so much for including me. Amazing story from Meg Warden. Wow. Now, at the end of each episode, I peek into the Life Story Toolkit and share information on one particular tool that you might consider using if you're writing or would like to start writing about your life. The Life Story Toolkit is sponsored by LifeStorytelling.com, where you can find your life theme, discover where to start writing, and craft your life into a compelling story. This episode's Life Story Toolkit features something called Morning Pages. If you've looked at writing blogs or books, you may have come across this concept. Here's the deal. Basically, everything you write initially is crap. Yes, I said crap. It's like rip it to shreds, flush it down the toilet. I can't believe I even thought about being a writer. Crap. No one should see what you start out writing. However, The strange and ugly secret of all writers is this. You can't get to the really great and inspiring words that will change the world unless you write a bunch of crap first. There's no getting around it. Young and old, experienced or not, you have to slog through that mire first. So the practice of morning pages is to get that crap out of the way so you can write the good stuff. Now, you can do this at any time, but traditionally, morning pages are three handwritten, one-side-only pages done when you wake up in the morning. There, you can put your worries for the day, your vision, what you want for breakfast, or anything else to start with. But then, when that drivel runs out, you start writing about important things, your current writing project, or a theory you want to explore. A magical thing happens. You really can't write hogwash for very long. Your mind gets past that and produces the golden nuggets of writing that you can then use. Some diehard Morning Pages fans believe it must be handwritten and must be at the beginning of the day. But you can choose this technique anywhere, anytime, and in any fashion you choose. And now you know the secret. Whenever you read your next great book, Think about all the crap that writer had to slog through to get to the really good stuff. Well, that's all we have for today. If you liked this podcast, check out the show notes at writeofyourlife.com slash Meg Warden, W-O-R-D-E-N. There you'll find links to the items mentioned in this episode, and sometimes you'll find bonus material as well. Here's the deal. The best gift you can give us is to share this with another person. Perhaps you know of someone who would benefit from this episode or who enjoys listening to interesting features. You can find the share button on just about any podcast player you're listening to right now. You can also head over to writeofyourlife.com and share it from there. We're on Pinterest, Facebook, and just about anywhere you can hold a great conversation. My handle is Right of Your Life. This show is put together by consulting producer Nick Jaworski at Podcast Monster and myself, Stacy Curtis. We hope that today you have 
the right of your life.